This is part two, y'all. There have always been mean people who cloak their unkindness and religious devotion. One minister in a conservative denomination told me. The New Testament itself is pretty clear about that, but he added the conflicts have grown more widespread and more intense. Without doubt, you'll see, you already are. A ton of pastors quitting, he said. Most pastors actually hate conflict. So if you're going to pay me one quarter of what I can make on the market, why put up with this? In his own church, some of the elders are devoted to culture or politics. These guys can be a special kind of relentless, and I don't think I've had it as bad as many, he said. But when we're stressed out trying to be public health experts without the training to do that, trying to keep our own families from blowing up with COVID stress, getting criticized from both sides at once, and having folks doing whatever they can to ruin us and get us run out of town, we love to just be trusted as friends and shepherds. I understand why many folks have just said, I'm done, I'm not there yet, but I hardly think I'm above it or guaranteed not to. I just pray to Jesus to not let me throw in the towel. This story, Mark knows not trying to pour, but the scan of the evangelical mind will be released next year. In the forthcoming preface, which Noah himself and the evangelical share with me, he argues that in various spheres, vaccinations, evolutionary science, anthropogenic global warming, and the 2020 elections major disease, white evangelicals appear as the group most easily captured the conspiratorial nonsense in greater panic about the political opponents or as most aggressively anti-intellectual. He goes on to warn that the broader evangelical population has increasingly heated populist leaders who dismiss the results of modern learning from whatever source and laments the intellectual self-immolation of recent evangelical history. Much of what is distinctive about American evangelicalism is not essential to Christianity in all written. He is sure to correct. I would add only that it isn't simply the case that much of what is distinctive about American evangelicalism is not essential to Christianity. It is that now, in important respects, much of what is distinctive about American evangelicalism has become antithetical to authentic Christianity. What we're dealing with, not in all cases of course, but in far too many, is political identity and cultural anxiety, anti-intellectualism, and ethnic and nationalism, resentments and grievances, all dressed up as Christianity. Jesus now has to be reclaimed from his church, from those who pretend to speak most authoritatively in his name. Too many Christians have domesticated Jesus by their resistance to his call to radically rethink our attitude for power ourselves and others. Mark Laberton, the president of Fuller Theological Seminary, told me, we live in an era of acute anxiety and great fear, he said. As a result, too often Christians end up wrapping Jesus into our angry, in fearful distortions. We want Jesus to validate everything we believe, often as if he never walked the face of this earth. What we're witnessing can be explained more by sociology than Christology, he said. Unlike in the Sermon on the Mount and the parable of the Good Samaritan, unlike Jesus' barrier-break encounters with sex workers and Roman collaborators, with the lowly and despised, with the unclean and those on the wrong side of the holiness code, in quotations, with the wounded souls whom he healed on the Sabbath. Many Christians today see the world divided between us and them, the children of light and the children of darkness. 
Blessed are the politically powerful, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the culture warriors, for they will be called children of God. That's not in the Bible, but that is a mentality that many people who self-profess to be believers have. For many of us who have made Christianity central into our lives, the pain of this moment is watching those who claim to follow Jesus do so much to distort who he really was. Those who deform his image may be doing so unwittingly. I will also say some are doing it, even purposely. This isn't an intentionally malicious enterprise they're engaging in. For a lot of them it is, though, I must admit. They believe they're being faithful, but it's nonetheless destructive and unsettling. I believe the portrait I've painted in this essay is accurate, but it is also necessarily incomplete. Countless acts of kindness, generosity, and self-giving love are performed every day by people precisely because they are people who go by Christian values to be good nature. And the same thing can be said for people of the other religions, and the same thing can be said for people who are seculars. So, Their lives have been changed and in some cases transformed by their faith. And to include seculars when I say this, their lives have been changed and in some cases transformed by their pragmatism and being irrationalist. I'm speaking words that I know secular people really, really appreciate. Not disparaging. My own life has been immeasurably blessed by people of faith who have walked the journey with me. This is the author speaking. Um, who has shown me grace and courage in difficult moments. To include secular people, my own life has been immeasurably blessed by people of pragmatism and rationality who have walked the journey with me and have shown me grace and courage in difficult moments. But I can recognize that while also recognizing the, but I can also recognize that while also recognizing the records around us. Something has gone amiss. Pastors know it as well as anyone in better know. The Jesus of the gospel, Jesus who won their hearts, who long ago won mine, needs to be proclaimed. That's the end of the article. Wow. I would say that the Christ of faith is not universally agreed upon in all denominations of Christians. They can't agree on the afterlife. They can't agree on who Jesus was and is. They can't agree on who God was and is. They can't agree on who the, the Holy Spirit was and is. They can't agree on any of the biblical doctrines, biblical dogmas, biblical creeds biblical tenets and biblical precepts they can't agree on any of the church practices church customs and church traditions they don't agree with each other on the basics not even the fundamentals so the more complex parts of faith they don't agree on that either so when you say jesus is the christ 
that's subjective even in that world it's not pinpoint agreed upon this is what we mean when we say Jesus is the Christ of faith so people who create their own Jesuses in that world for example Republican Jesus living large big willy style Jesus prosperity theology Trump looking Jesus. And there's a difference between being a Republican who can stand up to their own party and they embrace Donald Trump. And then there's just Trump looking. I had to put that distinction on purpose for discernibility. And if that's not a word, I just made it up on the fly. Another thing I want to even talk about is the Jesus of history. Um, from what I've known and researched about the Jesus of history because often in this episode some people may re-listen to and listen to um, scholars takes on Jesus scholars don't agree with each other on everything some scholars even question each other's credibility but that's normal in that world but any most scholars they may disagree with each other on timelines settings, environments, and historical events because so much has happened in history that it's okay for scholars to disagree, but they agree on what's important. The other stuff, they just go, well, actually it didn't happen that way, or I get where you're going, but you left this out, or you need to put this in. But most scholars think that Jesus was a historical person. Most scholars will not say that Jesus Christ is faith. So as long as scholars agree on the most important things, the other things they disagree about, it doesn't matter. Just get the big right. Little stuff, eh, not it's it doesn't affect us negatively. But the Jesus of history that I've come to understand is not this religious zealot that the people make him out to be. I've done my research and I think that the Jesus of history completely contrasts the Christ of faith based upon how religion is defined. What does that mean? When I read the Bible, I started understanding that Jesus is not a fan of religion. Because religion in this time meant don't hang out nor show God's love to sex workers. That's how the Pharisees thought. Pharisees and people of the law, these were Jewish people who, of course, they believed in supernaturalism and God, but they were legalistic ancient Jewish people who believed in supernaturalism. 
So they gave Jesus static for showing God's love to sex work. I'm only speaking this way because most people understand bits of Jesus' life from what they read in the Bible. So I'm just speaking in biblical theology. So Jesus was not allowed to show God's love to sex workers according to the Pharisees. Jesus was not allowed to show God's love to tax collectors according to the Pharisees. Jesus was not allowed to show love to anybody the Pharisees thought, oh, okay, we we believe in otherism and tribalism, elitism and favoritism when it comes to those people over there. So they were the first people to say, who's gonna pay for the wall? Yes, the Pharisees were the Donald Trumps of the first century. Yes, if you really read about them in the Bible, for example, they colluded with the Romans to assassinate Jesus. It's no different than Donald Trump's supposed ties to the Italian Mafia. I'm not saying Donald Trump is a killer. I'm just saying that there's this crime culture if you look at the life of Donald Trump and the life of the Pharisees. The Pharisees knew that thou shalt not murder was a part of the Mosaic Ten Commandments. But they broke that rule when it came to Jesus. So, Donald Trump is not new. There have been Donald Trumps before Donald Trump. Adolf Hitler is worse than Donald Trump because he actually would say, you know, six million of y'all Jews got to go. Adolf Hitler believed in Holocaust. So, that spirit, that Hitler spirit is still alive today. Hitler's not the only Hitler. Um, Saddam Hussein, Osama bin Laden, Idi Amin, uh, Mussolini, Evildoers have replicates and duplications. So the reason why I bring these things up because what I just read to you, it shows that you can religionize internal Hitlerism. Some people are not willing to show all their evil, but other people will go all out to show all their evil without a care in the world. And so I wanted to bring this up because what I just read to you about who, how, the people that Jesus spent time with, I could never understand why are so many believers trying to make Jesus out to be this super pious heavy on religion type. I don't see that in the Bible. How? If the least of these, the outcasts, those the margin or the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the rejected, the despised, 
the scorned, the forgotten, the lonely, sex workers, tax workers, women, children, um, the elderly, the poor, widows, orphans, strangers, and I mean, Roman centurions and their servants, and a woman who is said to have had five husbands and was was with somebody who was not her husband and supposedly they lived together, and Samaritans. Um, Parents, all these types of people like Jesus. So I'm like, okay. Usually when you're happy on religion, none of these types of people like you. Usually when you're super pious, none of these types of people are cool with you. Because if you're so into like religion, I mean, heavy and super pious about it, usually you're not going to have a spirit of connecting with people that are unlike you. So the fact that all these people were cool with Jesus, I'm like, yeah, Jesus wasn't religious. I, I just don't believe that. I don't think Jesus was pious. I don't believe that. I don't. And how I define pious and religious, it means you are just so gung-ho that you just push the very people that even the Bible that you read says you're not supposed to push them away. You're supposed to be an inclusionist, not an exclusionist. Jesus was an inclusionist. More importantly, Jesus was not an exclusionist. I say this most of all. Jesus believed in belonging. He wasn't the type that would go, you know, yeah, you're rough around the edges, but I'm going to be inhospitable to you. He wasn't that. So when I read the Bible, I see the Jesus in history in many different ways. Of course, the Bible tries to make him out to be this, this person that is irrelevant to many people in modern times. I go... The Bible writers got Jesus right on some things in terms of, okay, there are the unconventional, non-traditional people of his day liking him. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's a good thing. It shows that you are wholesome. It shows that you are a sucker. Good. These types of people like you, it means that you have humility and you have sincerity and you are capable of both empathy and compassion. That's a great life to live. You're capable of being transparent in a loving way. And you're capable of authenticity and vulnerability. So those things are good. Those things are really good. So that's the Jesus of history, right? But when I read the Bible, you know, Jesus calling a woman a dog, I'm like, I don't think the I don't think the historical Jesus would use language that many people go, he called her a bitch. No. Talk, you know, it's not right to take children, it's right to talk to the dog. No. I don't think he said that. I don't think so. I think 
they were trying, Bible writers are trying to have this balance of we can't make him too religious, but we gotta make him like gung ho on faith. And do I think the Bible writers did a perfect job at balancing those things? No. I do think that the world Jesus was in was definitely a faith-based world. That is true. There's evidence to prove that, yes, these there were people in that time, in the first century, that believed in supernaturalism. So that part has historically been proven true. But for Jesus to then say, you are for your father, the devil, to Jewish people, I'm just like, I don't think he said that. I don't think he would make it easy for himself to be labeled anti-Semitic. I think that was the Bible writer's error because if you're going to say your father, the devil, don't make it easily racial. No. Make it all about character and nothing about nationality nor ethnicity. Nor, nor even tribe. So, if Jesus said that, let's say he did. I think the Bible writers wrote in such a way that they put all themselves in anti-Semitic camp and I'm like, no, my God, we're supposed to do that. You know, it's okay to record actual events if they did happen, but don't make it easy for you to be go bigot, 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 bigot. Like, no. Make it all about somebody's character. And speak in a way where people would go, oh, okay, this is all about that person's character. It's got nothing to do with anything else. So, there were conflicting passages when Jesus said, I did not come to bring a priest, but a sword. As well as telling his disciples to buy a sword, and then saying, you know, hey, you can't be using swords, you can't be chopping people's ears off, Peter. You gotta put your sword away. And at the same time, he was like, look, I'm here to cause enmity between families, and you gotta hate your family to roll with me. At the same time, Jesus was big on whoever does well with my father is his brother and mother. I'm like, wait a minute. To me, it's contradictory because I understand that Jesus understood knowledge, the best of his ability of chosen family, but I don't think the word hate is an appropriate word to have people to be down with you. Like it doesn't I don't think hate is the right word. I would I would have said this. If you want to live right, not everybody in your family is gonna be okay with that. Some people in your family will have a problem with you living a life of wholesome. Now, that makes sense. When you say hate, it's like, do I have to 
mistreat my family just to roll with you. No, it ain't gotta be that. And what I never liked about how they depicted this with Jesus was he seemed to be contradictory on the subject of violence. Like, at times, Jesus was violent if you look at, you know, making a whip of cords, flipping over tables, scattering the coins and money changers. And at the same time, was talking about loving the enemy as yourself and loving your neighbor as yourself. But if I love people, I can't be violent towards them. I have to be peaceful. So what I never liked about the Bible, and some of the things I don't like, was they, there was never an agreeable position on the subject of violence, the subject of the death penalty, the subject of murder, the subject of self-defense, um, the subject of war. I mean, just war theory is debated even in the Christian world because a lot of the Christians I knew, especially the much older ones who grew up in the old school era, a lot of them served in armed forces. So it's like, how do you look at Ecclesiastes 3, one of the verses says there's time for peace and time for war, but at the same time, you have to be a non-violent human being. Borderline pacifism, right? You know, when you talk about basically let people steal your stuff and don't try to get it back, don't even be by force. And it's like, huh? I wish Jesus would have just given even the Bible writers just give an agreeable position whether it's for just war theory or against just war theory. Um, and then, real quick, before I forget, I want to talk to you about my... Okay. Based on my reasoning, my rationality, my practicality, my pragmatism, my logic, I've come to the conclusion that because I did not create myself, that it is very possible, or just possible, that there could be an aura out there that may have made me. I don't know if the word divine is the right word, I don't know if God or gods are the right words. I don't know if Christ or Christ's figures are the right words. I don't know if spirit or supernaturalism, even miracles are the right words. Because we use words, but does it give that unfilled blank um, aura is the best way I can come up with? Justice in terms of description? I don't know. I just know that there's an aura that made me. Could it have been the universe? Perhaps. Could it have been one aura or and or many auras? Perhaps. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I am a deist. Um, I think that All views on 
what is called divinity should be respected so long as they do not cause harm or or oppress the views of others. I'm cool with that. You can practice religion-based spirituality as long as your values are not causing otherism, tribalism, elitism, and favoritism. So that's what I would say. And I would say to the human beings who are faith-based, they should be free to find and worship God the one they call God in their own ways. Whoever it is, their deity, they should be able to do that. Just don't ruin people's lives with your beliefs. Um, I would say that humanity was given reason and conscience so we could develop our own moral and ethical principles. Could it have been from that aura? Perhaps. What is that aura? I don't know. Maybe that aura gave us reason and conscience so we could develop our own moral and ethical principles. I'm not sure. Um, I would say the order and complexity of nature and the universe makes some kind of aura self-evident, like it, it draws more attention to that said aura. I say aura because that is the best way I could describe it. To me, aura is this energy that maybe could exist. Do I know fully for certain? No. Aura is the distinctive atmospheric quality that seems to surround and be generated by a person, thing, or place. Aura, in spiritualism and some forms of alternative medicine, is a supposed emanation surrounding the body of living creatures and regard as a central part of the individual. So, could we be equal to this aura? Um, maybe. Could we be above this aura? Maybe. Could we be lower than this aura? Maybe. I don't know. But, I think that there's an aura that's self-evident, meaning it's a feeling. It's something, I don't know what that aura is. It just, it, it makes it evident in my life. What does self-evident mean in my life? Meaning it makes me think what created the universe, what created the universe? I think it was an aura of some kind. I just don't know who and what that aura is. Um, all human beings are created equal with the same natural rights. 
that's how it's supposed to be. Now, could it have been due to that some kind of aura? Maybe. I don't know. Um, then it says, God's full nature is incomprehensible due to limitations of human mind and language. Now, I can dig that. I can dig that because the concept of divinity, deity, I don't even know if those are the right words for this set aura. Um, another other definitions of aura to me. No, no, not to me. I use the dictionary. I think an invisible emanation such as scent or order or odor. Um, allegedly discernible by individual supernormal sensibility. Hmm. Hmm. Those are accurate definitions. So, yes, I am a deist and I do practice deism. Deist, D-E-I-S-T, deism, D-E-I-S-M, so yes, I'm a deist. And I do practice deism, I say again. Now, do I think that this aura practice the whole Superman thing where that aura intervenes all the time? I don't think that art intervenes all the time. Maybe the art intervenes voice we don't know, or maybe just doesn't intervene for whatever reason. Not sure. So, I think that aura is in line with natural law, and I think that people should rely on logic and reason instead of religious traditions based on writings in the book of, you know, I'm not bashing believers. What I'm saying is, I think logic and reason is the best way because it's much easier to defend logic and reason than it is religious texts where those texts would be considered human rights violations of our modern day. So if you're going to read religious traditions based on writings in the book make sure you apply logic and reason to all that you read um i think the world was created by an aura higher lower or equal power i don't know what type of power i just know there's an aura of power that made us in this world. I just call it energy. Um, I think that when it comes to the aura and the concept of miracles, this is what I honestly um, what I honestly um, would say. That the fact that we're all here and that we can give each other the miracles of love, joy, Peace, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. When I say faithfulness, I'm talking about a person who is committed to doing right and being of integrity. So I look at miracles as all the positive character traits. I think those are all miracles that um, people can have an easier time relating to. Um, so that's what I am. I am a deism. That's the last time I'm going to say it. Um, I'm also interested in pantheism. And I want to make sure that I get y'all the basics of what that means. So, pantheism is the belief that the universe and all things within nature are God. Hmm. I think that the universe and all things within nature, the, the way I would word it would, would be, my kind of pantheism is the belief that the universe and all things within nature are pointing us to the concept of all of us being a positive aura and positive energy. That's how I would define it for myself. Panthers do not celebrate a distinct personal anthropomorphic God. To accept all gods and to worship because they view God as everything and everyone. Everyone and everything is God. Um, I would have, I would beg to differ because um, clearly there's evil in the world. There's evil in the world, so everyone and everything, I would not label them God because I don't want people to think that you know, evil is godly. I, I don't want people to think that. Um, I acknowledge that there are um, that there are people in all religions who worship deities that's, that are in their religious texts. And in a human rights world, there's room for that because they're people too. Um, I don't think God's everything, everyone, because again, there is wickedness afoot. So there's nothing um, divine about absurdities leading to atrocities um, paraphrasing both there and um, could the aura be an anthropomorphic being that's an unfilled blank for me that's a question mark for me I let that mystery be 
could that aura be a distinct personal being? That's an unfilled blank. For me, that's a question mark for me. Because the concepts of divinity and deity, um, are above my comprehension. That's why I say let the mystery be. Um, supernaturalism, miracles are above my comprehension. I let those mysteries be. That's what I say when it comes to all questions that religious people would ask me. I would say I let those, I let all those mysteries be. In terms of all the extraordinary claims they're making, all all verses of their religious texts, I say I let all those mysteries be. I let all those mysteries just be. So, as a child. And even now, would it be nice to have the belief that the universe and all things within nature are God? Yes, but I have not seen science validate that through evidence. You know, would it be nice to view God as everything, everyone? Yes, but I have not seen science validate that through evidence. Would it be nice that everyone, everything is God? That would be nice, but... Um, Science has not validated that through evidence. A God being distinct, personal, and anthropomorphic God, it'd be nice to have that, but um, I've not seen science validate it through evidence. Just because I've not seen science validate things through evidence, that doesn't mean that I'm rigid because I'm, there's nothing about me that screams rigidity. Like I said, I value... Um, updating my beliefs, my convictions, my outlooks. Once science has proven me right, as well as proven me wrong, more importantly, proven me wrong. Um, so I've always been attracted to pantheism since childhood, even now I am. But, um, um, These are just all my thoughts, and I got all my religious views out, so I'm over and out. I just recognized something. I can't the episode yet because I wanted to be clear that I have secular Buddha consciousness and I am a person of enlightenment and for me that means that I find enlightenment in all areas of life of my own.
and experience enlightenment when it comes to the lives of other people too. Enlightenment means insightfulness to our intuitions. the illumination of wise clarification type information that I need to properly situate my situation. 